This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. kind of thinking and I don't know if we can do this or not because of like music rights and whatnot but I've been kind of toying around with the idea of changing the woman music whoa that's a big deal why why I don't know because I feel like I I hear all these like new songs and mm. and or like female artists that I feel like could could be like really cool to do but like here's here's some of them that I was like kind of thinking about I love that where did you right? find that I have no idea how that works with like copyright and whatnot but I, would I don't lo- you know it would be really fun if we put it up like as a poll on Instagram and like yeah. had people had people vote which one they liked the best. But then there's also I think people would vote. But like I feel like she's like really cool. I love that. Or they're really cool. But like you know okay. we love Wet Leg. You know we love a progressive like female artist band. We do. We do love that. But then there's there's this one too. Hold on. Oh, she's got them lined up everybody. She's got yeah. them ready. But this one's called Girl Gang. Hold on. Girl Gang. Ooh, I like the name. (laughs) I wish people could see us dancing to this right now. So I I I think I like the first one better if I had to vote myself. It's just a little bit more... I don't know what the word is like edging not as specific yeah 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 girl gangs but yeah but I love that song I would listen I I listen to the song well what do you think everybody we're gonna put it up on our Instagram stories this week should we change our WOMED intro outro music or should we leave it what do we think of the song Dee just played number one or number two does anyone know does anyone care (laughs) and does anyone does anyone know how that works with copyrights? Like yeah. we will, we will tell in the. Do we, do we need a lawyer? Involved? Do we do we need an entertainment lawyer? Oh. All of the things. But this week on the WOMED, let's 
let's rein it in now, Jack. I'm just okay. very happy you're, you're back here joining me again because I missed you so much last week. <laughs> I know. I missed you guys too. It was a great episode though. I really enjoyed it. Isn't Chris the best? He's yes. the most lovely. Like, I've I can't been messaging him, him all week being like, I'm so sorry we didn't get to meet. But um, <laughs> no, it was a great episode and you you carried it. You did great. Oh, I missed well, you guys you very much. You were very missed. But I'm really excited that this week we get to talk to Shelly. She is Dr. Mommy MD on Instagram. What a freaking powerhouse just resource for everything. You know, I mean, like women's health, gun violence. I know. Shelly is, she's just like, she's truly one of a kind. I'll never forget when I first met her, I was just so blown away by her experience. She started, she didn't even start out in healthcare. She started out as a writer. So she has brought healthcare writing. Um, she has written so many incredible pieces for Women's Health Magazine, Pop Sugar, Business Insider. She, um, besides writing, she also creates a lot of really digestible information on her own platform and has a course. And we talk all about this in the episode, so I don't want to give too much away, but Shelly, you know, besides being an incredible family medicine physician, just, just does it all. And I do want to put like a little trigger warning on this. Uh, we do talk about um, miscarriage and women's reproduction uh, in this episode. So it's it's very mm-hmm. real. So if you are not in a place to listen to that right now, if it's traumatizing or triggering for you, you can join us next week. But it's a really, really beautiful episode. I'm just grateful for Shelly joining us in and sharing her story. We over here at the WOMED cannot seem to figure out our Wi-Fi and connection issues in Italy. Well, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say we can't figure it out. I'm ha- I'm the one having issues, clearly, because I'm in the middle of fucking nowhere. I really, fucking... like, I still don't feel bad for you. <laughs> of course, I listened to last week's episode where my Wi-Fi crapped out and Diha, you had to record without me. And I love how you, you, you threw that in the episode. You were like, yeah, but we don't feel bad for her. I was like, fuck you, Danielle. <laughs> she might not have good Wi-Fi, but she's got good wine. All the time. Cheers. So that was my my it's one, so true. My one it's your option. Time. Or my one moment to Please roast continue. Jack on how we don't feel bad about her living up the under the Tuscan sun Italian experience. Is there an Italian man? I have to know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, um, the tiger. No um, comment. <laughs> Ooh, no comment. No comment. But I am enjoying all of the things Italy has to offer. She's blushing. If you're listening, you can't see it, but she's blushing. <laughs> um, yes, I am uh, enjoying all of the things Italy has to offer. You know, it's just been. A complete dream. It has been, um, besides it being really hot, that's the only complaint I have. Other than that, everything is perfect. Perfetto. Ooh, your <laughs> Italian's doing you. I know. Well, it's great to see you guys. I miss you both very much. The last time we all were together um, was in the spring at the Figs Retreat. Yes. 
Yeah. Hi. Yeah. And I finally got to meet Shelly in person. Was supposed to meet her in January at Katie Duke's show. But again, COVID intervened. Aww. I know. I sat next to Shelly during Katie's show in New York. And I don't know about you, Shelly, but I got like pretty wasted that night. <laughs> I was like, yeah, maybe drink Shelley's a little gonna more than anticipated. <laughs> I remember just like I kept bringing drinks over to the table, and I was like, "What am I doing?" Like, I think I? they ran out of wine. Actually, I think it's because you and I were sitting right next to the bar, and just kept on bringing this wine. <laughs> oh my god! I love hey, mom's, mom's night out. It was mom's night it out. Was. So mom's yeah. weekend out. I think I was there for like five days without kids. Oh my goodness. Mm. It was amazing. But Much needed. You're, you're from New York originally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I grew up on Long Island. And now you're in Tulsa. So <laughs> tell us about that. Yeah. Well, Why Tulsa? Quite different. Yeah. So the medical lifestyle with training is kind of like a military lifestyle in a way because you move for med school, you move for residency, you move for fellowship. And, um, my husband started med school after I was already in attending. So we first moved to Virginia and then here to Tulsa for his residency. So that's why we're here. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. I didn't know your husband You were like the ultimate like study partner when he was in med school. Did did you, did you like help him with like, did you let him use your flashcards? Well, I won't lie. We definitely went to the library together several times. <laughs> Did you make out in the stacks? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's hot. I mean, that's just like a fantasy, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like it was like, I love that dynamic where like you're already the attending and like he's in med school. I love that. It's like, it's mm-hmm. Grey's Anatomy. It's like totally Grey's Anatomy giving uh, me like, yeah. I know, Danielle, I don't think you've got that far, but it's giving me like Meredith. And when she starts dating, um, <gasps> speaking of cute Italian boys, um, what? Am I giving something away? What? Her and Derek break up? Oh, girl. Oh my gosh. You need to watch. When did you start watching the show? I'm still watching. Fuck. All right. Well, you need to um, invest some time because but Derek's you're, being a little bitch girl. right now. Hey, I'll give you I'll give you some news. They don't necessarily break up. But they don't necessarily stay together. But they don't break up. I don't like messy. Messy makes me anxious. I don't want to tell you, but you'll just don't have to watch. tell me. I'll just angrily okay. text you later. I know. Sorry for sorry for blowing it. <laughs> there's no. There's God no. Damn real- you! How you're really behind though? Like, what are you doing? Like, how do you not have time to prioritize? Yeah. So not only was I an attending, but I worked at his school. Like that was where my job was. So I was like an attending. Was at this his against school, the which law? Was- Against the rules? Well, they knew. No, they knew when they hired me. So it was like going in. But it was so awkward because if I ever went out with like him and his friends, it was like, uh, these are the med students that I help teach. And this is really just awkward. So I didn't know that you taught as well. I thought you were just like a practicing physician. Yeah, so I've done all the things in my, I mean, I've only been in practice now for like seven years, but I was um, a family medicine attending and I taught residents 
and med students and also worked for division one sports team and now doing urgent care. So I've done a smorgasbord of stuff. You're really cool. <laughs> That's really awesome. I'm unblushing. Dr. Mom, no, I'm I mean, the house. being able to, to explore like so many different things. Like you don't realize when you're doing family medicine, like how many different ways you can take your career. It's really pretty amazing. There's so many reasons why we asked you to come on the podcast. One, you're a huge inspiration, I know, to other females looking to get into medicine. You say like, oh, I've only been practicing for seven years. It's a really long time to be practicing for your age. But you also have such a passion for writing and for blogging. And you're also really open and honest about your fertility journey and advocating openly about fertility and against Roe v. Wade and against gun violence. You use your platform in so many different ways. And I kind of want to like jump into all of it, but I let's like, I know we're kind of talking about the family medicine and where, where are you right now? So you said you're in urgent care. How does that kind of compare to where you've been? And is that where you see yourself staying? Yeah, it's really different. I really did love doing like family practice and sports medicine, but the schedule when you have kids is is not good because it's all nights and weekends. That's when the games are. That's Mm -hmm. when the athletes need you. So, and I also knew I'd be moving a lot for Tyler's residency and didn't want to start like a big practice when I knew I was going to be leaving. So urgent care was really perfect for that because I worked two twelves and an eight. And you guys know, I mean, you do Mm -hmm. shift work. So it's nice to have those four days home with the kids. So the lifestyle is fantastic. It's crazy though, because since becoming a mom, like, you know, care of, you know, the mother baby dyad has become something really close to my heart. And even though it's not part of my practice and day to day, I feel like that's where a lot of my education on my social media platforms leans towards. And that's what I really love to do. So hopefully in the future, I'll be integrating that more into like my practice and what I do every day. Tyler has one more year of residency. so. We're kind of figuring things out. Would that be something where you could maybe start your own practice? That fo- yeah, absolutely. I could start my own practice. Um, you know, telemedicine now is becoming huge. So I'd be able to reach more people mm-hmm. across the country who wouldn't have access otherwise. Um, so I think that that's a very good option. Um, and then I've also um, created an online course for new moms to help them through the first year of motherhood. So spending more time on that and promoting that and helping moms as part of that will will be a big part of my future too. When did you get started with the course? And did that kind of come naturally from starting your platform, Dr. Mommy MD? Like how did all of that come to fruition? Was that when you were in attending already? Or like, when did you kind of start having these ideas that you wanted to start writing and sharing your all of your knowledge and, um, I also love what like that you bring this other aspect too of not just being a professional with family medicine, but also having a family yourself and wanting to prioritize your kids and prioritize your family. I think that that's so relatable and so not talked about enough. And I know about like, for me, I, I just really look up to you for making this balance work. So how did all of this Dr. M- Mommy MD kind of like come to fruition? I started my Instagram when I was pregnant with Mason because I felt even though I had this training in family medicine and 
significant OB training. I mean, I'm not an OB. Lots of people think that I am, but I'm not. Um, but I've delivered like 150 babies and, oh my gosh. you know, have, have a lot of training in it. But I was pregnant and still felt like I didn't like know what to expect or know what to do or, you know, I felt like really alone as well. Like I felt like people on Instagram were just showing these beautiful pictures of their babies or this beautiful picture of pregnancy and made it look so easy. Um, and that wasn't like the reality, at least that I was experiencing. So I, I started it to kind of show my journey through motherhood and to help other mothers just not feel as alone. Um, after Mason, I also had bad postpartum depression and anxiety. So I wanted to talk about that, which at that time, it was like 2017, was like a pretty taboo subject. And people didn't really mm. put that stuff on the interwebs back then. So, and the amount of like responses I got from other women saying that they felt the same thing, it just, it like broke my heart, but also like melted my heart that like we had that connection and I can help them feel supported. So that's kind of where it started. Oh, that's so cool. Women are such such community driven creatures. And mm-hmm. I just love, you know, hearing about everyone's pathways into creating these communities just to help each other. Because I mean, I, I you can feel that from the, the core of who you are. You just want to help people. And I yeah, I'm I'm just so grateful we get to speak with you today on everything. Yeah. And without like giving too much away about the course, because of course, you know, we'll put it in the, in the show notes so people can head over to the course and I'm sure they can find it through your Instagram, but can you walk us through a little bit about what that course looks like? Like what kind of support do you mean? Like physical support, emotional support. And then is it, it's for an entire year after pregnancy. Yes. It's laid out with kind of basically chapters and like an online things where I'll talk you through breastfeeding, breastfeeding positions, breastfeeding Mm. tips and tricks, all the things like what bottles to choose. I don't know, sleep schedules, not doing sleep schedules, just like super non-judgmental basic information that I feel like may be out there, but not by professionals who actually know and then have a a young family of their own who are kind of close to it and know what it's like slogging through it in the moment. Exactly. And like you said, a professional, I know there's a lot of people in the quote unquote wellness space on yeah. social media. The that motherhood are, space. There's yeah, so much yeah. mom shaming on there. Yeah, it's really, yeah, there's a lot of information. That's the thing too. There's so much information out there that, I mean, it's so overwhelming. Like even myself, I found myself Googling things in the middle of the night. Like, I don't know, is green poop normal? Like, should my baby be throwing up this much? Is that normal? Like, even yeah. as a doctor, I still didn't know until you go through it yourself. And then it, it really just changes everything. Yeah. And so you had Mason, your first. And then after that, can you share a little bit more about your fertility journey? I know you've been really vocal about it recently and whatever you're comfortable sharing with, but I've always really admired how how open you are to sharing your experiences because so many people go through these struggles with fertility and don't talk about it. And I think that you are breaking down so many of these barriers and stigmas about uh, the fertility process. So if you don't mind, I I know our listeners would love to hear about your journey with that. Yeah, I have a long journey. So I'll give you (laughs) my recap. So um, I actually had an ectopic pregnancy in a prior relationship 
Wow. It was caught pretty early, which was lucky. And I was able to use methotrexate as a treatment. So I was able to keep both my tubes. You know, I've always known I wanted to be a mother. So finding out that I had an ectopic, I was so scary because I was in my residency at the time. And it's like, well, you know, like this could rupture, you can lose your tube, you can die. I mean, it was obviously a really serious thing. And literally, like the speed at which I received treatment was like astounding. Like literally, I was on my OB rotation, they sent me down, you know, for an ultrasound, they realized it was an ectopic, they gave me my methotrexate injection. And like, that was, I mean, it was like just a few hours. Wow. And I'm just so grateful with how well I was treated and preserving my fertility for the future, which I think, you know, in this post Roe v. Wade world may not be the reality for women in the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. even like tubal scarring that can occur, you know, as the baby grows. Um, even if it is able to be removed with something like methotrexate, like, like those are all really important things to consider. So I feel really grateful to be able to have gotten that treatment. And that's something that's definitely threatened now. Pretty yeah. <laughs> that was my st- my start to motherhood was that, you know, and that baby was really wanted. So um, it was heartbreaking. But yeah, so then I had Mason and that it was like literally the we got pregnant two days before our wedding. <laughs> we were already married. We got married legally um, at Barnes and Noble Cafe, um, like two <laughs> months before our Mexico wedding. <laughs> amazing! That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't realize I would get pregnant so fast. You just never know. It can, you know, it could take months or years, or never happen, or it can happen, you know, the first time you try. And for us, it, it was just so easy. Got pregnant. My pregnancy was you know, pretty uneventful delivery, also uneventful. I knew that I wanted like several children and I'm older right now. I'm like, I'm 40 years old (laughs) and I had him in, I guess, 35 or 36. So I knew time was short. So, you know, breastfed him for a year, got him off the boob because I wanted to get my periods back and get pregnant again, got pregnant with Parker. I thought pregnancy was going okay. And then at my like the 12 week ultrasound, they told me he was missing half of his brain, which obviously ended up not to be true. But like to have that moment of just like terror, I mean, I went home and just like fell into my mother's arms, like sobbing, crying, like totally awful. And, you know, the next ultrasound, everything was normal again, which I mean, is wild obviously user error on the part of ultrasound (laughs) but um it just gave me some sort of hint at what like mothers go through whose babies are diagnosed with like anencephaly or other you know terminal issues yeah he did actually end up having a genetic disorder but we didn't find out until after birth so he was in the NICU for a couple of weeks um now he's doing just amazing and after him, we still wanted more kids. So we we got pregnant quickly again. Um, but I miscarried that first time. Um, I think I was about eight weeks. And I had a miscarriage. 
well, it was a missed miscarriage because there was no heartbeat on the ultrasound, but I didn't have any bleeding or symptoms. So basically I had to either opt to get a DNC or take medication to help um, pass the baby. And I wanted to try the medication first because obviously a less invasive procedure um, can do it at home, privacy, financially, it's better because my health insurance sucks, which is crazy because I'm a doctor. <laughs> but um, I knew going to the hospital for anything would be several thousand dollars. Took um, the misoprostol, which helps your uterus contract and pass the baby. Um, you know, I had all the bleeding that they told me I would have. I had all the cramping that they told me I would have. And I thought like, you know, it was over. Then I got COVID, um, ended up quarantining in a hotel room by myself, but kept bleeding um, and knew that something was wrong. And nobody would see me. Like nobody would see me for an ultrasound. Nobody would have, let me come into the office because I had COVID. So I was basically just sitting in a hotel room by myself, like continuing to bleed, hoping I didn't pass out or oh you know, something horrific happened. Mm -hmm. Like just not being able to receive treatment. And then, you know, that brings up the feelings of, you know, women miscarrying at home or being too scared to go to the doctor because they don't want them to think that they had an abortion or, you know, just people being scared to receive care, people being like not having trust in their physicians like that just horrifies me now with Roe v. Wade. But regardless, eventually after I got out of quarantine, they saw me. <laughs> Finally, and I was able to get my DNC. And then I had a uh, chemical pregnancy next, where I had a positive pregnancy test, and then blood and nothing on ultrasound. And then another miscarriage after that. So it was three miscarriages in a row before oh I was God. like, okay. And I went straight to a DNC that last time because I didn't want to, you know, go through this like several weeks process where you just don't know what's going on. Is the baby still in there? Is the bleeding going on for too long? Am I going to need the procedure anyway? So I just wanted it done. I was just like, so, you know, emotionally, physically exhausted. So yeah, I had another DNC and then I, they tried to do genetic testing, but I don't think that they got enough fetal tissue to do it. So we really didn't get any results on that. Um, but I would assume that They've been genetic issues because I'm older. And so we wanted to do IVF. And we did our first round of IVF and we got two embryos, but they were both genetically abnormal, like significantly genetically abnormal. Um, one, I think, had trisomy 16. Mm -hmm. And the other, I mean, like the list of issues with it was so long, it barely fell on the page. So oh. we did another round and we got one again, I think it was trisomy 16 and the other one came back with no results. So whether they didn't get enough of the sample or something got messed up in transport, I mean, who knows, but it didn't come back with any DNA results. So we had the option to either just not transfer it. We could have um, sent it for testing again, but that would risk damaging it because you have to defrost it, sample it again, refreeze it. And then if we were to transfer, we'd have to defrost it again. So I really didn't want to go through all that and think like, well, let's say the embryo is normal. And then I, you know, destroyed it on accident. I don't think I could ever live with myself. So we decided to just take a gamble and transfer it. And there was like, you know, a super low chance that it was going to even implant, but it did. And I got 
pregnant and I was just so hopeful and so excited that we had given this baby a chance. Um, but I did just miscarry last week. So it has been a journey and yeah, it's been a journey, but that, I mean, and then all of this like going on, well, like Roe v. Wade gets overturned and I'm just like, yeah, it's just like crushing, crushing. Because, like, every step of the way, I feel like my journey would have been different. I mean, that first ectopic, like, it could have not been treated as quickly as it was. I could have lost a tube. I could have died. I could have never gotten pregnant with Mason or Parker. I mean, like, from day one, like, everything could be different from my life. I just feel like people who are so, like, black and white on this topic, like, don't understand all of the repercussions for this decision like nobody wants to go have an abortion nobody's like oh you know today like oh I messed up last week today I want to go get an abortion like I just don't want to like nobody's blase about it that's not the reality right Mm -hmm. even if there's no medical issue associated with it it's it's a hard decision it's traumatic it's nobody wants to do that and I feel like that's the way it's being painted is like, it's just like this thing, like people are using for like birth control or, and that's not the case. That's not reality. I cannot thank you enough for being so vulnerable and sharing the depths of what you've been through and in this journey for you, the fertility has been, I mean, over a decade now, I'm guessing since, since your first ectopic to now, I can't imagine, like you said, that the trauma of miscarrying and having to do that multiple times and then reliving the trauma with what's going on in our government and on the, in, in media and on the news and, and work now as a healthcare provider, like these are Roe v. Wade. I, and Danielle and I actually talked about this when we had first recorded about Roe v. Wade, about how incredibly tra- re-traumatizing it must be for people that have been through the gray areas, like you said. And I just give you so much. Like, I just, I cannot imagine how much you've been through. And mm-hmm. I give you the utmost respect for being as strong as you are and still you know, trying to create the family that you wanted and and then also advocating for other women that are going through the same thing. It's such an incredible amount of strength that you have. You're so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. I I love you so much. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's just so hard because too, like as physicians, like, you just want to do what's best for your patient. You Mm -hmm. just want to care for them. I mean, that's our job. And I feel like this does not allow us to provide the healthcare that people need. I mean, we're already hearing stories about delayed treatment, Mm -hmm. ruptured ectopic, patients having to go states away to receive their treatment. I mean... And you're also in one of the most restrictive yeah. states in the country. I mean, right. from yeah. like being originally from New York and mm-hmm. being 
like, you know, generally progressive. I can't imagine how that must feel. One, as a woman that has been through this, but two, as a healthcare provider, like what that has had to bring up being in, in that state. Did you have any issues getting access for healthcare while you were miscarrying this last time? It's kind of an interesting case because I had a blighted ovum. So that means that there was never an embryo. There was never a heartbeat, um, but just the gestational sac was growing. And I'm not a lawyer and I'm not an OB, but like that definitely skirts around like this whole heartbeat law in in some ways because there's no heartbeat, right? Mm-hmm. 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 But it was also like seven and a half weeks. And I think the other part of the law here is like heartbeat or eight weeks. And now I think they've changed it to fertilization. So, I mean, I don't even know where we stand. And that's the thing. It's like every state is different. The laws are changing constantly. Like now physicians have to stay up to date on this and see if they're even allowed to treat their patients. Right. Like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so there was no heartbeat, but my doctor did make me have, you know, two ultrasounds 11 days apart to make sure that there was still nothing there. And I had to drive three hours, you know, to get these ultrasounds because it was my IVF doctor who's in Oklahoma City. So like, it's so traumatic to have to drive to an ultrasound knowing like, like your baby's not there. Like you're just going yeah. to like confirm that. And it's, I mean... Yeah, it's so hard. And then my my husband, he went to pick up my medicine and they had to call the doctor and I guess like confirm why I was being prescribed this medicine. Like, was it for an abortion or for a miscarriage, right? Like, I do not remember that happening last time I had to pick up this medicine, but I'm guessing that that's because of the new laws that the yeah. pharmacies are obviously wanting to double check and make sure that they're prescribing for a miscarriage so there's so many different layers to this of you know who could be affected and prosecuted based on the legality of this like you know those pharmacists were probably just like fuck like I don't want to have to do this either like I just want her to get this medicine but if I don't cross all my t's and dot my i's they could come for me next yeah they're scared I'm sure And like all this fear is just going to lead to like such a greater delay in care, which ultimately will lead to like, say it was ectopic or you were in some sort of like major like health crisis of like bleeding out or, or, or trauma and stuff like that, wherein effective, timely healthcare, you can preserve your ability to conceive again, which is the biggest show of pro-life right like all I want is a baby literally yeah like that's I've been fighting for that now for you know two years like with every single day um obviously I didn't want to lose this child you know it's it's the most right baby ever right the process is like hard and traumatic enough Mm -hmm. and now the government just wants to Yeah, and you know, and IVF is so at risk because Mm -hmm. now we're Mm -hmm. saying that life begins at fertilization, and now I'm worried because I have three other embryos, and frankly, I don't even know if they're still on ice or if they've Mm -hmm. been discarded or if they've been used for research or what. Like, I don't know. 
So like now I'm like, no, now I need to follow up and see what's going on with my embryos because what are they going to force me to transfer them? Even though when I know that it's not okay. So then you're going to force me to transfer an embryo that we know is not compatible with life. What if I die in the process and then my two beautiful children are left without a mom? Like, is that our future? Is that what's going to happen? Like, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah, it's just so disgusting that out of all the problems that uh, birthing people face in this country, that we have to go backwards and create all of these new problems for ourselves when we have disgusting maternal health disparities based on race and socioeconomic status. And it just makes no sense to me. You know, Shelly, I'm curious, like I was actually, you know, without prying too much, I was curious, like with your other embryos, if you don't mind sharing, like, where do you stand now in your fertility journey? I mean, I cannot, like, I really cannot imagine how you keep going. Like, how how do you keep going? I'm sure your husband, I know you speak really highly of him. I'm sure he's extremely supportive. You have your kids, but how do you like take care of yourself and how, how do you see your future of fertility going from now on? So we are done. We're done trying. Um, But we knew that going into this round of even the egg retrieval, like financially, it's, I mean, we probably spent like 50 or $60,000. It's a lot. And, you know, I just don't want to take any more like time resources anything from the family I do have which I'm so you know blessed to have these two crazy amazing boys right IVF you can keep trying forever right but there's like a limit to your finances there's a limit to your emotional capability there's a limit to your physical ability to keep going through this and like you know it's like little things too like I haven't been able to swim with my kids for the past like week and a half because you know I'm still bleeding and you're not supposed to swim for two weeks after miscarriage so I don't want to miss out on anything anymore and as much as I want like that third baby like it's just time to stop and also there's so much uncertainty like I don't even know if I had like all the money in the world if I would want to go through it again now yeah Shelly, I can't thank you enough for being so open and so vulnerable with us today on this episode. I know so many people are going to resonate with you. I know so many people are are in your shoes right now, too. And I just hope you don't feel alone in that. And know that Jack and I just love and appreciate you so much. And and I wish wish we were. I love you guys too. You guys hug you. Amazing things, amazing things. And you know, I think like I don't know. Moving forward from all this, sometimes you know it's hard to not feel hopeless Mm. because the forces at work are so much bigger than us as individuals. But I think Mm -hmm. you know, doing what we can, um, you know, to support women, to support people with uterus and. capability for caring babies is you know working on establishing like paid leave and child care and affordable housing and you know postpartum support and all those things like surrounding the mother and like you know cocooning the mother in hope you know so that if they want to have that child they can right like they mm-hmm. feel like they have the resources that they can um, and then they don't have to have an abortion but the choice should be there, right? The mm-hmm. choice should be there. 
that's yeah. the bottom line yeah wow well yeah I cannot echo again what Dee said you know I there's so many people that have had similar experiences that I, I know feel very alone and I, I hope that they can find this um, episode and find some support and some relief knowing that they're not alone. And I give you so again, like so much respect and credit for, for being so vulnerable and open about it because you are helping so many other people go through it that think that they are alone. And with that, you're also, again, like just such a great resource for women and for new moms on your social media that I just, I cannot thank you enough for all the work you do just as a doctor, but also just as a human providing all these resources for people. Um, because like you said, like that, that fourth trimester and becoming a new mom, it's like, even as a doctor, even as a, a nurse or a nurse practitioner, it's like, I would have no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> I feel like it would be just Google central. So yeah, we'll be sure to link everything for all of our listeners to find you and stay up to date with your process and just share all, all of the love with you because you just radiate so much light and so much love. And we're, we're just so grateful for you. I love you guys. I want to hug you. Uh, no. I'm going for a hug. <laughs> Please come and some wine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to close out another bar <laughs> here in Tuscany. <laughs> Not a problem. Full circle. What a freaking light. I love Shelly. I don't know how someone can go through so much in their life and just still have so much optimism and hope and ability to fight for what's right. It's just so inspiring. I, I love and admire Shelly so much, so much. If you are not already following Shelly, which if you're not, you really should. <laughs> Come on, people. Really, truly. You can find her at Dr. Mommy MD. That's Dr. M O M M Y M D on Instagram. You can also head to her link tree there where she has a blog, TikTok, YouTube, and you can find her as she was talking about her new, her new course for new parents in that first year, which I know I'm sure is just so extremely supportive. Shelly, we cannot thank you enough for coming on. And to our listeners, ugh, we love you so much. On that note, WOMED out.